Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Flush. I'm your host, Tiva, and... We are doing a Q&A episode. So if you recall, during the last Q&A episode, we had a discussion about whether I would do Q&A episodes every four weeks or the last Tuesday of every month or or what exactly it was going to boil down to. Because generally speaking, those two things would be the same, but there are exceptions. There are situations in which they would not be the same. And I went on kind of a disturbingly long tangent about it. I have to say, even some of my most patient friends while listening were like, bitch, just decide. Just do either. It doesn't fucking matter. It does not fucking matter. And I made my decision. I decided to do it the last Tuesday of every month because otherwise I feel like it just could get chaotic. And we have this crazy month system that I've also spent kind of a shocking amount of time talking about how I'm not a fan of. So, okay, we're, we're not going to rehash that whole thing, but we are doing the Q&A episodes the last Tuesday of every month, and this is the last Tuesday of the month, um, which also is kind of loaded for me because this coming weekend, I'm going down to D.C. for my niece's second birthday, which I'm so excited for. My niece is adorable, and I'm excited to see my family, and I'm staying at my brother's house this time, not with my parents, which will be different, and they have a pool, which will be nice, and I'm taking Ozzy, which should be great, but I'm also, you know, just having kind of like daily panic attacks about it. Now, if you are from kind of a strict Middle Eastern or if you're Middle Eastern, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're from kind of a strict, maybe some kind of like strict religious type of household, you might be able to relate to what I'm talking about. And if you're just kind of you know, white, (laughs) for lack of a better way of putting it, it's going to be exceptionally hard for you to relate to why this is so stressful for me. But it's a lot. It's just the whole dating in Middle Eastern culture is a lot. And I can talk about it another time. I don't, I'm not in the mood to get into it today. So we're just going to, we're just going to move right along. But um, yeah, you guys are going to hear all about it. on next week's episode. But yeah, I'm kind of having daily panic attacks. I have no idea. I have no idea how this is going to go, what's going to go down. Ozzy has met most of my family. He just hasn't met my dad. So when we were in D.C., the one and only time the two of us went to D.C., my dad happened to be out of town. Now, was that part of why we went to D.C.? Maybe. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. It actually was situational. But my dad was out of town. So... 
he has met the rest of them and they love him, but we're also staying for three days this time. And yeah, it's, it's, I don't, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what the fuck happens. Okay. I do want to get right into the questions right before we do one quick thing. We're not going to go on 4 million tangents. I mean, I think, I hope, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, <laughs> we're really all in this together all the time. Um, by the way, do you guys like my outfit? I'm kind of paranoid. I mean, I'm obsessed with it, but you know how there are things that you sit in and there are things that you stand in and things with buttons that are kind of more fitted or designed to be more fitted are not my favorite things to sit in because you know, when like you get the, um, if you're just listening on audio, you can't see what I'm doing, but you know, when the buttons kind between the space between the buttons stretches and so you get those gapes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Also, this is not the thing that I was going to go on a tangent about. This just came out of nowhere. <laughs> Case in point, who knows what's going to happen. Um, okay, no. I want to talk about last week's episode real quick. And uh, more specifically, I want to talk about male reactions to the clips that I posted on Instagram. Now, usually I get my trolling on TikTok. I'm not used to it happening on Instagram in most part because I don't have that much reach on Instagram. But some of these clips where I talk about, I didn't even say Jonah Hill by name, quite frankly. I just was talking about the concept of more controlling men. Got a lot of men very triggered. And I have one thing to say to this. If you hear the word controlling and you immediately are triggered, the call is coming from inside the house, my friend. Like That says a lot about you as a person and very little about me as a person. Although shout out to one of my favorite comments from a man who was like, she's probably dated millions of people. And I was so tempted to be like, yeah, actually I have. And I'm proud of it. In fact, I wish I dated more. I wish I dated more people. (laughs) Um, But I have a very strict, I don't respond to trolls policy. I just think life is all about energy and the energy that you respond to amplifies. And so my general policy is I do not respond to trolls. Done, case closed. I don't care what they say. I will not amplify that energy in the world. (sighs) Okay, Um, (laughs) that's that on that. Let's just jump right into the questions. We have a sick, sick, sick lineup of questions. I want to do them justice. And quick plug, if you asked a question and I answer it today, I would love an update. Love, love, love an update. Okay, let's get right into it. Question number one, how to get out of a slump when you feel like you aren't yourself anymore? Okay, first of all, I just want to say I'm really, really sorry that you're feeling this way because it's a very unpleasant way to feel. So I just want to acknowledge that and hold space for your feelings and just acknowledge that it's really hard. And one of the hardest things I think is pulling yourself out of a dark place. I do it constantly because I'm constantly going in and out of depression. Not funny. I just, I, you know, 
<laughs> if you're not going to laugh at yourself, then what's the point really, you know? So, uh, yeah, I just want to acknowledge how hard that can be. I'm not saying that you are depressed. I'm just saying I, I am constantly pulling myself out of lower mood states and it's a really hard thing, but especially the way you said that, like feeling like you aren't yourself, just feeling that lack of connection with yourself is a very hard feeling. So just hold space for that. Number one. Number two, what you really need right now is to double down on nervous system regulation. So you want to focus on your nutrition, on your digestion, on your sleep, on your movement, on your breathing um, to get a little more nuanced into those things. As far as nutrition, make sure you're getting enough fiber. Uh, kind of super arbitrary rule of thumb is to aim to eat 30 different types of plants throughout the week. Um, to kind of kick it up a notch, I would say to try to make those 30 plants be at least 20 of them be fresh, raw produce. Um, so we're in summer right now. Great. Well, assuming you're in the Northern Hemisphere, great summer produce right now for us. Our melons are in season six, six, sick melons right now. Also, if you follow me on Instagram, I've been trying all these various types of melons. It's it's fun. <laughs> I'm learning a lot about myself in the process. Um, stone fruits are in season. So peaches, nectarines, plums, cherries, shit like that. Really fucking slaps. Uh, you know, cucumbers, tomatoes, all sorts of leafy greens. You get the drill. But yeah, just aim to get at least 20 different types, varieties of fresh, raw produce in your diet, and then 10 other types of plants. So this could be cooked vegetables. It could be nuts and seeds, things like that, you know. Um, again, it's, it's a very arbitrary number, but it's kind of a helpful guide. It's kind of like 10,000 steps, right? 10,000 steps is very arbitrary. There's no real science behind 10,000 steps specifically, but it's kind of a decent rule of thumb of how much you should be walking throughout the day. Um, make sure you're getting enough protein. Um, you know, insert protein heavy foods. If you eat animal protein, that's kind of easy. Eggs are great. Um, you know, dead animals, you know, the drill. Uh, if you don't eat animals, tofu, tempeh, um, legumes in general are pretty good. Um, even nutritional yeast is kind of like stocked in protein. I mean, you'd have to eat kind of a crazy amount of it to get enough protein, but just adding it to stuff is good. Um, eat regularly, but also don't use eating as a coping mechanism, which... Is a little loaded and a little difficult, but these things are going to help you, you know, digestion, take a good probiotic, um, make sure you're getting bowel movements, yada, yada. You know, if, if you want more help on this, hit me up and can get more nuanced and specific. Make sure you're sleeping good. Actually, magnesium is helpful here too. All the different formulations, I would look at it like a glycinate, a magnesium glycinate for sleep. Um, melatonin is excellent, not just for sleep. It's actually a really, really good antioxidant. And it's also, um, it's kind of critical for hormone health. And so with that comes reducing blue light exposure. I actually have a whole episode on optimizing your sleep. It's called like 13 
ways to optimize your sleep and have more energy or something like that. It's from probably like March of 2022, March or April of 2022. Um, so check that out if you're having issues with sleep, um, movement, uh, given what you said, I would guess that you probably need more gentle forms of movement. Movement, So for sure, make sure you're getting your steps. Again, 10,000 is very arbitrary, but like it's a decent rule of thumb. That's why we use it as a measure. Um, yoga, Pilates. Pilates is so great for strength training and it's such a gentle form of movement. I've been using this a uh, home workout platform by this like fitness influencer, Caroline Deisler. Um, it's reset by Caroline. I really like it. It's like $9 a month and her workouts are great. I tend to do short workouts cause that's kind of all I can mentally get it up for, but Hey, you do you. Um, Ooh, that reminds me to enter my workout into my aura ring app. Because I forgot to put it in today. I had a pretty good workout today, not to brag. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, if doing something more high intensity does appeal to you, by all means, go for it. But if you are where I think you are, you're probably thinking like the last fucking thing I want to do right now is work out. So just take a few walks. Just take a few walks throughout the day. While you listen to the show, go for a walk. Um, breath work is so great. Uh, I would maybe not do the more active forms of breath work right now. Maybe focus on more um, slow breathing, you know, exhaling for longer than you're inhaling, breath holds, things like that are going to be so useful for you. Diaphragmatic breathing, parasympathetic breathing, box breathing, those types of breath work are going to be really, really helpful right now. And then the other thing is just bring a little laughter and play into your life. So that could look like dancing. It could look like whatever acting like a little kid. I mean, think about the child version of you. What types of activities did you enjoy? Do them. I went through a phase when I'd kind of first moved to New York and it was my first year in New York and the comedian and I had broken up and I was really depressed and I was just really soul searching and trying to find myself. And I was really connecting with my inner child and I'd go to parks and just get on the swings, you know, like a child predator does <laughs> and just swing by myself. And then I remember the slime museum thing opened in New York and I went and that was really fun. I was actually supposed to go on a date and the guy canceled the day of but he had bought tickets for us. And so he gave me both the tickets and I went and I had so much fun by myself. So that was cool. He was probably like, I don't want to date someone who wants to do this, <laughs> but whatever. Um, yeah, once you're in a safer nervous system state, then you can begin to get curious as to what happened to cause you to get here. Because honestly, it sounds to me like you're in a state of nervous system shutdown, which happens when we're like chronically activated. So our nervous system fully shuts down. It's a protective state. It protects you from pain and it protects you when you're running out of energy. But I wouldn't do any of the deeper work as to why you're in this state and how to, well, I, I wouldn't get, 
Oh my God, let me start over. I wouldn't do any of the deeper work as to why you're in this state yet. I would first climb out of the shutdown state into a more relaxed and present nervous system state. And once you're there, then you can start communicating with the protective part of you that is causing this shutdown and see why it was doing it and what it was protecting you from. So I hope that's helpful. Um, DM me if you want more elaboration on nervous system stuff. Also, I'm coming out. I'm not sure if you are a Blush Academy member or not, but I'm coming out with a nervous system course soon. Once I, you know, I'm, I want it to be really fucking good. So I just don't want to just throw it up. Like there are little elements. I basically, I don't put anything out until I have mastered the topic myself. Like my attachment styles course exists because I was able to move to secure. So I can teach that now, but until I fully regulate my nervous system, which includes gut stuff, I'm not going to go around teaching that. So I'm working on it as I'm experimenting and figuring things out. But if you are a Blush Academy member, be on the lookout for that. It's going to be included in the monthly membership. You get access to everything. But also, if you're not a Blush Academy member, A, like you should be because it's amazing. But B, you will be able to purchase this course as a standalone course because it is so different from the rest of the academy. So there are people who might be interested in this only but have no interest in some of the other stuff. So I will offer it as a standalone course. Okay, Um, I hope that's helpful. Again, update, yada, yada, you get the trail. Okay. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the... Must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Question number two. I was wondering if you have any thoughts on men in NYC dating women over 30. I'm 34 and until this year, I've never felt old, but now I feel like men are filtering me out on dating apps due to my age. I feel like a lot of men in NYC have a stigma around dating women older than 30 something because men think women are quote unquote more serious because of their fertility clocks ticking. What are your thoughts on this? Okay. I'm going to be brutally, brutally honest. I think you're right, but I think it's a good thing. Here's why. Yes, I think some men on dating apps put filters on women above a certain age. Now, I've talked to a lot of my guy friends about this and All of them said that they filter out women 
above their own age. So it's not a specific arbitrary age. They just don't want to date anyone older than them. And this is like all, well, uh, all of the kind of more fuck boy kind of guy friends of mine said this. Not, I mean, there are plenty of men who actually have filters that go above their age. But, but I would believe that there are men who do specifically felt filter out women above 35 or whatever is some arbitrary age because they're like, well, she's going to want to settle down. She's going to want to have kids. She's going to want this. She's going to want that. I think this is a fantastic thing. They're filtering themselves out for you. If you want these things, if you want to be serious, if you want to get married, if you want to have kids, the biggest gift a man could give you is pulling himself out if he's incapable of giving that to you. This is a gift. This is a godsend. Thank you for identifying yourselves, Peter Pan syndrome men, so I don't even have to deal with your fucking bullshit. And here's the thing. Does that make the dating pool a bit smaller for you? Yes, but there are still millions of people in the city. And all you need is one. All you're looking for is one. So the more you can filter out the wrong people for you, the easier it's going to be to find the right person for you. And I'm actually going to take this a step further. So I believe it's OkCupid, one of those early dating websites before apps existed, before iPhones existed, yada, yada. I believe it's OkCupid, but I could be wrong. The founders were kind of like math-y kind of guys and were really interested in data and statistics. So they were constantly running data and statistics on their site. And one thing that they found was that women who were kind of universally found to be less attractive and not unattractive, but not like the tens tended to get way more matches than the women who every man thought was attractive. And so they started doing some digging and this is what they found. They found that like they used two types of women. One who's just every guy thinks she's attractive. She's just kind of universally pretty. And then another one who's really cute, really pretty, but like in a more niche way that specific men are really attracted to and other men are less attracted to. That person got approached way more. And for two reasons. Number one, because with the one that everyone thought was attractive, men were like, well, everyone thinks she's attractive. There's no way she's going to be into me. And B, because it's... People are more into nuance. Like one of the biggest pieces of business advice that you'll get is to really niche down. Like you don't want to appeal to everyone. You want to appeal to your people. You would rather, like you should rather have 10 people who are going to be diehard loyal customers of yours than 100 people who are like, yeah, no, she's cool. Because those 10 people will then rally for you and like it's going to spread. You're going to be way more successful. That's the business sense. So this is a similar thing. You want these men to be filtering themselves out. Like you don't want the Peter Pan syndrome guy in your inbox. Now, unless you're really just trying to like fuck younger dudes or something, in which case go to bars, like you'll be able to do it. 
you know, you're attractive, you're hot, you can do it. Like that's, that's a non-issue. But if you're looking to have a meaningful relationship, then what better thing than to have the people who are incapable of having a meaningful relationship, just take themselves out of the running. Boom, made your life 20 times easier. Okay, question number three. Why do you never post Aussie on your social media? Okay, I'm going to be very, very honest because if you had asked me this question two years ago, I would have given you a different answer and that answer would have been partly true, but partly me lying to myself, I think. So there are several reasons why I haven't posted Aussie on social media. Now, the answer I would have given you two years ago is because it's my social media. It's not his social media. So why should I post him? Like it's not his Instagram. I've built this brand, this niche, this business, and it's mine and I don't need him in it. That still stands. I don't think that's complete bullshit, but I think that there were levels of unresolved trauma at play back then. Number one, I think I was really scared. And this was, I've always said, even well before Ozzy and I started dating, like as soon as I started using my social media as kind of a business, I always said, like when I got a boyfriend, I would never, ever, ever post him. And I do think that was in part because, A, I didn't want to be like cringy and annoying. I think most girls who post their boyfriends a lot can be kind of cringy and annoying. But I think that's my own shadow speaking. Specifically, what I really hate is I'll see girls post their social, post their boyfriends all over their social media. And then the boyfriend's like so not reciprocating. And it brings out my own trauma. So it's nothing with those people that's bothering me. It brings out my own trauma of just like, and my own kind of internalized misogyny of like girls being so obsessed with their boyfriends and so boy crazy and guys just like, I remember when I was younger, I always had this thing where I was like, Like when guys get together, they're not sitting around talking about chicks. They're talking about like sports or video games or whatever. And when girls get together, they're sitting around talking about dudes. Like, why are we giving them so much of our attention when it's unreciprocated? And it's those types of trauma that I think is looping. So I think there was like an element of that. And then there was also an element of fear of breaking up. And this is, again, I'm speaking before I even met Ozzy, but just like, well, if I post my boyfriend all over my social media, then like, what if we break up and then I have to take it down or whatever and how embarrassing and all those things, right? So I do think there are elements of those things, although not really the breaking up thing. The other thing I would say is still active for me, but like more like look at my Instagram. It's 99% photos of food. It wouldn't fit with the feed. And also I don't give a shit what kind of Gen Z asshole tells me like it's not cool to care about what your grid looks like. Actually, the only person who's ever said that to me is a 40 year old woman. So um, but um, but I don't care. I like aesthetics. I like pretty things. I like my grid to flow. So him being on it would not make the grid flow. Um, he is actually kind of in the background of one of my Instagram stories today. Um, that being said, all that being said, at some point, I 
I wouldn't be opposed to having him in this kind of safer space because he is such a big part of my life. Like, I, I, I don't know. I think the first place that would make sense would be to have him in some Blush Academy thing because that's such a, you know, smaller, more niche community. But he also doesn't really want to be like he doesn't want to be on the podcast, which is shocking to me because he's a Leo rising. I thought he'd be all about the attention, but he said that he's not particularly interested and he's such like a behind the camera guy. Now, I don't know if that's his own unresolved trauma speaking or if he actually really doesn't want it. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, I don't really see myself like posting him on my grid. It's it has nothing to do with him. Like it's just not it doesn't fit. And I I do kind of love I but see I also don't post my friends on my Instagram. That's the other thing. Like I don't like I I don't post birthday stuff on Instagram. Like I will not do a birthday tribute to anyone on my Instagram, not a one. And I don't reshare when people post for my birthday. When people tag me and shit when we go out and stuff, I never reshare it. Like I just don't use my Instagram in a personal level. So unless he becomes somehow involved in my business, I don't really see myself posting him. So yeah, that's a very convoluted answer. Okay. Question number four, how do you deal with a friend who is making a mistake in dating? I have a friend who is stuck on the biggest asshole and their on and off relationship is so toxic. I want to be a good friend to her, but it's draining and difficult to deal with. Okay, I've dealt with this like 6,000 times, and I've also been the friend a lot, mostly in the past when I was much, much younger, but I can see it from both sides, and I have very unfortunate news for you, and that's that I really think you shouldn't actually say anything. Now, I don't think you should be like rallying for the guy or their relationship, but here's the thing. I think if you say something... It's only going to make your friend feel like she can't talk to you and push her further towards him and isolate her towards him. And I have a friend, um, let's call her Kelly. So my friend Kelly dated this guy. We will call him Steve for five years on and off, five years. And Steve had some redeeming qualities, but for the most part, he really sucked. And like, really, like, like, I remember when she first was telling you about him, she's like, look how cute. I was like, he's not cute at all. What are you talking about? This is not an attractive man at all. (laughs) And he was kind of nice, but he was actually like really kind of a massive asshole. But more so than anything else, he was awful to Kelly, awful to Kelly. He would break up with her constantly and like for no reason. He would just be like, I don't love you. I don't see a future. Boom, we're done. And then he'd chase her back and get back together with her. It was so toxic. And like, it wasn't toxic in that they were fighting all the time. It was mostly toxic because he was like constantly changing his mind about what he wanted. So it wasn't like, like my toxic relationships in the past. Like I was a very active participant in the toxicity. I was picking fights. I was doing crazy shit. I was, you know, breaking up with them and getting back together. Kelly 
was not an active participant. So it wasn't really toxic in that way, but it was toxic in that he treated her toxically and he was awful to her. And it got to the point where all of her family and friends were like, enough, Kelly. Like, how big of a fucking idiot do you have to be to keep getting back together with him? And they just couldn't take it. Like, it was to the point where she didn't want to talk about it with anyone. And I remember I would never say anything. One, No, actually, that's not true. One of their breakups, it was probably halfway through the five-year thing when they broke up. I remember me and our friend John were like, thank fucking God you guys are done. And then they got back together again. And that's when I was like, okay. I'm never saying anything negative about him until I'm positive, positive that they will never get back together again because she needs someone to talk to. And if every one of her friends turns on her, the only thing that's going to happen is it's going to push her further towards him because she's going to have no one else. It's going to isolate her and it's going to make it harder for her to actually leave this relationship. So I was very cognizant and conscious of being a support system for her so that she wouldn't feel isolated and so that she knew the ins. She knew like, for example, with like the rest of her friends and family, she kind of had to put on a facade when things weren't good because if she didn't, they'd be like, well, I fucking told you to not get back together with him. Whereas to me, she could vent, she could talk, she could see things more clearly. And I kind of like, not to be like low-key kind of narcissistic and self-centered, but um, I kind of think that if she hadn't had me to be able to talk to about this, maybe their ultimate final breakup wouldn't have happened for a lot longer. I think having me as a support system made it so that she could exit that relationship a little bit more gracefully. Um, Now, you don't have to be this level of a support system. And if it's really triggering for you, I do think you can kind of put up boundaries and like not like you could be like, hey, listen, I really understand that, you know, you're going through this and I understand that it's really hard to walk away from a situation that's negative and I'm certainly not going to tell you to do that and only you know what's best for you. Use language like that always. But I just can't tolerate hearing about it anymore. Like you're allowed to put up your own boundaries. But one thing I want to touch on is I would look a little bit internal as to why this is triggering you. And here's what I want to compare three different situations. So I just talked about my friend Kelly. Um, I have two other friends that I want to talk about, and I want to compare and con- contrast these situations. So one of them, let's call her Apple. And the other one, let's call her Barbara. Okay. So my friend Barbara, this is many, many years ago, dated this massive asshole. They, um, she was like down, she was in med school somewhere tropical and he lived in that tropical place. He did not go to that med school and she just like kind of immediately moved in with him and like he was just up to no good and was such a dick to her. And she just, she just kind of by nature is a very like submissive woman type and just like always wanted to be like like a kept housewife type thing. And so, you know, dating this super rich guy who put her up and was like, 
taking care of everything, yada, yada, was uh, nice for her. But like the, the way that he treated her was so disgusting. And I had learned my lesson to like not really say anything, but I found it so triggering. Like I wasn't able to really be there for her the way I was able to be there for Kelly. Um, and then you've already heard about the Kelly situation. Now I'm going to talk about my friend Apple. My friend Apple has a friend who is so into Apple, but Apple is not into her friend. And her friend has money and is offering a lot of, you know, things that Apple wants, but Apple deep down really is not interested in this person. And I actually have another friend with a very similar situation. Now, and Apple and this friend's friendship is very toxic and it's very difficult in part because Apple's friend is head over heels in love with her and Apple does not want to explore more than a friendship, although sometimes she considers it because she hasn't met her person and she wants to meet her person. And this friend does offer a lot of things that Apple wants. Now, for Kelly, I was able to be such a good support system, right? For Barbara, I was not able to be such a good support system. And Apple's situation, quite frankly, sometimes has me feeling like I can't fucking hear about this shit anymore. And I sometimes get really, really triggered. And so I was trying to compare why it is that I can deal. And like my initial when I read this question, I was about to be like, you know what? We're fucking adults. And we like if you are able to be in a healthy relationship and like you don't have to relive toxic relationships through your friends like that is not something you have to do and you can put up boundaries. And I realized the reason I wanted to say that is because I was thinking of Apple's situation. And again, I've had friends with almost identical situations. And then I was like, wait, but I was able to be there for Kelly so much. So what's different here? And I realized what is different is back a million years ago with Barbara's situation, I had dated a guy where there were similar dynamics at play. So her relationship with that rich asshole guy in the tropical place reminded me of this other guy I dated a few years prior that was really toxic. Apple's situation with a friend reminds me a lot of many, many situations in my life where I've settled or wanted to settle for guys that were like really head over heels for me, but it wasn't the thing. And that's why it triggers me. Whereas Kelly's situation didn't trigger me because I guess I've never really had that type of toxic relationship. All of the toxic relationships I've been in, I've been such an active participant in that I couldn't really relate to being kind of perfect in a relationship and being treated like shit like that. I'd never had that experience, so it wasn't triggering for me. So just the fact that you asked this question, and it does sound like you're kind of at your wit's end, I would look internal and see what this is triggering for you. What have you been been in a similar situation. Not all of the details have to be similar, but there are some similarities probably with something you've had in the past. The energy is probably the same to something you've had in the past. And I would go and do the healing around that past situation before you even address this in any way, shape or form with your friend. I hope that's helpful. Um... 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Question number five. Ooh, this is such a good one. I love this one. How do you cut off a close friend who has started to blame you for anything and everything that goes wrong and doesn't support or say anything positive about things going on in your life? Okay, so this is going to be a step-by-step thing. First, first off, I just want to say that sucks and I'm fucking sorry that you're dealing with that. Okay, so step number one. You have to release the anger and do not, do not say to me, oh, but I'm not angry because yes, bitch, you are angry and you have every right to be angry. By the way, I'm not calling you a bitch. I just like use it as an affectionate nickname, but you have every right to be angry. This is a situation that should make you angry. We have every right to be angry when our boundaries are crossed. And this is a situation where your boundaries are crossed and you have every right to be angry. So yes, you are angry, even if you're not consciously recognizing that you're angry, you are angry. And again, you should be angry. It's a good thing. So release the anger. There could be any number of ways to do that. Um, In Kundalini, there is a Kriya called like fists of anger or something where you're kind of like punching the sky. Um, Even just making fists with your hands and like squeezing really, really tight can help. Um, Screaming into a pillow is really nice. Screaming in general is nice, but sometimes it's hard to make yourself scream out loud. But if you put your face in a pillow and scream, it can really just... "Mm." like really release that anger. So once you've released that energy, because anger, anger is an emotion that's really, really charged. And the only way to move through and be able to do the deeper work is to get rid of that charge first. So once you've moved through the anger, then I really think you should confront your friend in a meditative state by yourself inside your head first. So get in a deep meditative state. You can use, if you're in the Blush Academy, use one of the guided meditations to really get in that theta brainwave state. And then visualize yourself sitting across from this friend and having a conversation and saying all of the things and also hearing all of the things that you want to hear. Because I think that could really give you a lot of insight. Now, once you're done with that step, I need you to decide what you actually want because you said that you, you said, how do you cut off a close friend? So it sounds like you are done, but you're also asking this question, which leads me to believe that maybe you're not fully done. Maybe on some level you do actually kind of want to work it out because otherwise I'm not sure that you would be asking this question, right? I think if you really wanted to be done, you would either just stop talking to this person and kind of ghost them or whatever, or you may have phrased the question as like, there was a question in one of the recent Q&A episodes where someone was like, what's a healthy way to break end a friendship? So the fact that you went into more detail, I don't know, I really, really could be wrong. But if there is a part of you that is holding out for a change and like kind of wants to maybe salvage it, then I would communicate and I would say something along the lines of this. 
and you can write this down and just say it verbatim. Hey, I love you and our friendship, and that's why I always want to be honest and communicate when something is bothering us. Lately, I don't feel very supported and valued in our friendship. Now here, I want you to give very specific examples of things that she has done. Give specific examples because your friend might not know what they've done. So you need to be very, very specific. And then say, I wanted to check in and see how you're feeling and what you're thinking and have a conversation about it. If you actually truly want out, then I do think you always have the option of just kind of slowly icing them out or ghosting, responding less, whatever. Do I think it's the most evolved way to handle things? No. But if that's all you're capable of, then I think that's fine. But if you are capable of having a mature conversation, then I would do it. It's going to feel a little bit awkward. But again, I would say something along the lines of like, hey, this is kind of awkward, I feel like I need to take a step back from our friendship right now. I feel like you've been blaming me for a lot of things in your life, and it just doesn't feel like I'm getting the support and loyalty that I want in a friendship. Again, I know this is kind of awkward to hear, but I wanted to have an upfront conversation instead of ghosting and leaving you to wonder what happened. So yeah, that's my two cents on everything. Um, I hope that's helpful. I would love an update on this situation. So yeah, submit something. Would love to hear how it goes. (sighs) Okay, next question. I have a crush on my coworker, but my other coworker told me to back off because she likes him, but he clearly doesn't like her and I don't want to make drama at work. Okay, so a toxic trait of mine is that I will always advocate for workplace romance, even though usually not a good idea. It's usually not a good idea. But hey, I was in my 20s once and having a work crush situation, work flirt situation, work fox situation really just makes it a lot more fun to go to work. What can I say? I mean, you know, until it doesn't. But I just think when you're young is the time to make mistakes. A few things, though. <laughs> Number one, what is what's this workplace dynamic? What's the situation like? Is this like your dream job? Are you working at a company that you want to work for for the rest of your life and you want to rise up in the ranks at and you really like this is your career? It's something you're passionate about or, you know, are you Is this a job that's making the ends meet while you work towards something else? Is this something you don't really give a shit about? Is this like your after school bartending job or you know what I mean? Like it's like figure out what the situation is because if it's a job you don't care about as much, that's going to change things versus if it is something you really care about and you're really passionate about and you want to be there for the long term, I would really encourage you to think twice about giving this any more thought beyond just having it be a little workplace crush that is going to stay unrequited. That's how you pronounce that word, right? Unrequited? Unrequited love? Unrequited? No, it's not like unrequited. No, it's unrequited, right? God. Anyway, (laughs) okay, 
So now that I've gotten that out of the way, how close are you with the coworker? Because you did refer to her as a coworker. You did not refer to her as like your workplace friend. So if you're not really friends with her and he doesn't actually like her, then I don't think you owe her much. But if you are friends with her, then... Not only would I back off, but I would also kind of look internal as to why you would consider valuing male attention over your friendship with this person. But if you're not really friends with her, I don't know. How much loyalty do you owe this person just because you work together? Now, will it get messy in the workplace? Yes. But (laughs) if we're talking job you don't really care about, person you don't really care about, potential for having a little bit of fun, and I'm just going to assume that you're younger on the younger side, your 20s are for making mistakes, my friend. You heard it here first. Is this really toxic advice? I don't know. Like, I just don't, I don't really see the harm. Now, here's what I would do, though. I I would set up a series of group hangs. And um, listen, the other coworker will probably be there and she might see you guys flirting. And if she confronts you about it, like she told you to back off, be like, hey, like I know that you're into him, but I don't think that he's into you and I think he might be into me. And like, I don't want to make this uncomfortable, but like, hey, we're all young and at this job that none of us give a shit about. Let's just have some fun, right? I don't know. I mean, is this terrible? Is this terrible advice? I don't know. But okay, will you update me and give me more details? Like how serious are you about this job? How serious of a phase of life are you in? How close are you with this person? Things like that. But in general, just set up group workings like happy hour after work or, you know, um, there was a question a few weeks ago about a workplace crush situation where I said, um, like sign everyone up for a sports league or something where you're all forced to hang out all the time. By the way, the person who asked that question, will you please fucking give me an update? Because the way I think about it three times a week, like the way I'm so invested to know how things turned out, which also reminds me, I was getting my face threaded the other day. It's like a hair removal tactic, not the thing where they like put threads inside your skin and pull your face around like um, Kendall Jenner or um, Bella Hadid. But yeah, the hair removal thing. And this guy, right when I was sitting down, had lost his AirPods and couldn't find them. And we all got up to help him. Then he's like, well, I was at the real real right before this. Maybe I left them there. And I was like, well, why don't we go to the real real and then come back here? And he never came back. And I've still been thinking about this man and his AirPods and wondering if he found them. You know what? If you are, if you happen to be listening, man. <laughs> man who lost his AirPods at Hiba Soho location. Can you please DM me and let me know what happened with your AirPods? Cause I give a fucking shit. Okay. Moving right along. Uh, this might be the last question. We'll see how we're doing on time. Okay. I'm a 19 year old girl and I have a boyfriend for a half year now. 
for a half year now. Okay, sorry, I was just making sure I read that right. My problem is in September, he has a work trip to Portugal. We live in the Netherlands and I'm feeling so bad about it. Of course, I don't want to stop him, but I don't know what to do because I feel so bad about it. Thinking about our future, he's going to have more trips and longer ones. So right now I'm really push him. So right now I'm really push him out of the relationship by saying this, like we aren't going to work. Uh, he thinks it's normal, but it's not what I like. And now I don't know what to do. Okay. This is just very, very classic anxious attachment. And it's very, very easy. I never thought that I would be able to date someone who would have to be separated from me a lot. And I'm now in a relationship with someone who we're separated for like two months every single year. So every December he goes to Australia and because of my dog, I can't just go with him. So I go when I can. This year I went in February. So we were apart for two years. Last year when he went, the borders weren't even open. We were apart for three years and we'd only been for three years, sorry, for three months. And we'd only been together for like six, seven months at the time. I never thought this would be possible for me. And then he goes on other like shorter work trips all the time. And when he's on these trips, he can barely talk because they're working like 20 hour days sometimes. So it's a very hectic, time sensitive situation. I never thought I'd be able to deal with that level of separation, but I can because I was able to move to secure attachment. So what you're describing is just very classic anxious attachment. And I just want to say it's not your fault and it's not that you're on usual. It's because of experiences that you've had in your life that have wired your brain in a way to think that anytime there's any sort of separation, it means life or death. And your body literally flips into, if we're separated, I will die. And so that's why just thinking about him leaving in a couple of months is making you so anxious because your body's like, we're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. But here's the thing. You're not going to die. And I know it feels crazy right now, but you have a couple of months. So I know you're a Blush Academy member. Really work through the attachment styles course, like work through it meticulously do the guided meditations over and over and over again, and you will move to secure attachment and it's going to be a non-issue for you. Just work through the course. Also, there's updates coming to the course. And one of the updates that's coming is this guided meditation that really helps you kind of, um, confront your worst fears and make peace with them. And so I think that's going to be a really helpful one for you in this situation. But just look at me, <laughs> look at me and how great I'm doing. And But no, seriously, I was like you. And the fact that I'm able to be in this relationship now, if I can do it, you can do it, babe. Like non-issue. I'm not even worried about it. Okay, I'm going to do one more question just because it's super, super quick. Everything else is going to wait for next month. And if you have questions, submit them to me in the meantime. Um, would you ever do a what I eat in the day video? Probably not. I don't want to say never, but probably not. Because number one, I don't 
I don't see the point in it. I think like, yeah, sometimes people are curious, but I think ultimately the point in these videos is look at what I eat in the day and you should probably eat the same. And there's so much bio-individuality and what's good for one person is not good for another person. So while there are principles of how I eat that might be helpful to other people, especially people like right now I'm on this really focused thing for my constipation. So some of the things that I'm incorporating would be really helpful for other people who are suffering from constipation. But that doesn't mean that you should eat what I eat in a day. So yeah, it just feels very self-indulgent and I don't really see the point in it. But if you have kind of specific questions about nutrition, I'd be happy to answer those, of course. So yeah, that is our show. Everything else is going to wait till next month. And in the meantime, if you have questions, reach out to me and say what they are. And also, if there are specific things you want to hear on the show, reach out and let me know what they are. And also, <laughs> um, we are, it's the last episode of the month. So at the end of July, we're going to be doing our July giveaway. And um, the winner wins a free six-month membership to the Blush Academy. All you have to do to enter is leave a review for the podcast. And either leave your Instagram handle in the review or screenshot the review when you leave it and email it to theblushpod at gmail.com. And at the end of the month, I'll randomly select a winner and you will win a six-month membership to the Blush Academy. It's sick. You're going to want to check it out. It's all the good things, yada, yada, yada. Um, But in all seriousness, even if you don't want to enter the giveaway, just leave a review because it helps the show so much. It's akin to going to a really nice restaurant and having a really great waiter. You would leave them a tip, right? You wouldn't just not leave them a tip. And I'm not talking about like going to the coffee shop and buying a bottle of water and them turning an iPad around at you. I'm talking about when you're actually getting service, you would leave them a tip, right? Rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing with your friends is the equivalent of leaving a tip. So, you know, be a good person and do it. Put it in your Instagram stories and tag me so I can see that you shared it. Do all these things because it really helps the show and it also helps you because the more people who listen to the show, the more evolved people there are on this planet and there will be better people for you to be friends with and for you to date and for you to fuck. So you're welcome, really. (laughs) Um, Okay, um... So we're doing a new thing. We end every episode with gratefuls. Now, just a reminder, the reason that I do this is because practicing gratitude trains your brain to look for the good things in your life, which makes you a more optimistic person, which makes you perform better at work, and it makes you clinically happier. So I'd really love it as I say the three things that I'm grateful for this week. If you could also think about three things that you're grateful for and don't just come up with, you know, the top of the head examples, my family, my health, my apartment, whatever. Dig deep and get very specific. Think about three good things that happened today that you could be grateful for or this week or something. And okay, I'm going to go. Let's see. I am grateful. Oh, I'm grateful that I found this vest because I've been looking for vests like this. And yeah, I really like this one. I just hope it ends up looking good on camera or we're going to have a week of me putting out content where I feel like shit about myself. Um, I am grateful for 
all of these amazing summer melons. Like I'm literally about to go eat a melon and I'm counting down the seconds. Like I cannot wait. I'm so fucking excited. And definitely check out my Instagram for all of my favorite melons if you're interested in that type of thing. And they're also really helping with my tummy stuff and helping me poo. So that's pretty cool. And I am grateful. Hmm. Oh, I'm grateful that I got the boot off of my foot because, yeah, that shit was getting really fucking annoying. So now I can walk freely and I can wear my Adidas Sambas, which I'm also grateful that I was able to get Adidas Sambas because those shits are hard to get right now. Um, And yeah, they're so cute and I'm so obsessed with them. So yeah, those are the things I'm grateful for. Make sure to list three things that you're grateful for and make sure to rate, review, subscribe, share, do all the things because I love you and that's how you can say you love me back. (laughs) Okay, bye guys.